I guess we can... Blog Talk Radio. Steve, are we on air? We are on air. Can you mute? Can you? Mute oh, or... she's here. Hang on, she's here. Oh. Okay. Hi, Karen. Hey, how are you? Frantic. You were supposed to be here 15 minutes ago. We're actually <laughs> on air. Uh, so maybe we're in Mercury retrograde. I haven't checked. <laughs> Um, and Steve, if you'll open it up and restart that, I'll I'll start. Nope, you're on. Take it away. Welcome to our show. My name is Deborah Rose, and I'm your host on Circle Talk. Circle Talk is one of the shows featured on CSNT Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. CSNT has a lineup of rotating shows throughout each month. But, there is some static, but Mondays feature Lunatic Mondays with host Laura Gonzalez. It can't be Tuesday without Circle Talk, and I continue to be the host for this fun show on the first and third Tuesday of each month. Wednesday features a new show, Circle of Nature, with none other than Selena Fox. The third Friday of each month features Blue Marble, an eco-educational, eco-respiration, Eco-Activism and Eco-Spirituality Podcast. We have such a fun and informative lineup of shows, and we here at CSNT hope that you try them all. Celebrate the March full moon online with Circle Sanctuary Community. The theme is Springtime Beckons and takes place on Tuesday, March 7th. Full moon circles begin at 7 p.m. Central Time or 8 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. Mountain, or 4 p.m. Pacific. Our full moon circles include invocations, music, meditation, poetry, reflections, and ritual working. They are facilitated by Selena Fox and other members of Circle Sanctuary community. Hey, Steve, there's a lot of static uh, background noise. Can you just mute everybody just for a minute, except for me? Done. Yep. Thanks. Those joining us online are invited to bring a candle to Kindle during the ritual, and you're invited to interact with others in the chat on YouTube. It's really fun, and a lot of the same people come every month, and it's really become um, a spiritual community. You really want to try it. Attendance is free, and no registration is required. For more information, please go to our website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Reverend Dr. Karen Tate is a well-known radio show host, published author, and featured conference speaker and social justice activist, fueled by her intense passion and interest in travel, comparative religion, ancient cultures, and the resurging interest in the rise of the feminine consciousness. She is back after a hiatus, and so she's joining us tonight on Circle Talk as we become reacquainted and find out what's coming up in her future. In fact, she's got a new book coming up. Let's hear more about Reverend Dr. Karen Tate. 
thought leader, speaker, seven times published author and podcaster, and social justice activist. Karen is a caring economic conversation leader and the prior partnership presenter from the Rain Isler Center for Partnership Studies. She has a certification from Smith College in the Psychology of Political Activism, Women Changing the World, and she can be seen on the award-winning docu-film from Wonderland Entertainment, Fem Women Healing the World. She has been named one of the 13 most influential women in goddess spirituality. Her new book, Normalizing Abuse, a commentary on our pervasive culture of abuse, was published in 2023, along with the return of her long-running podcast, Fetterman, which airs on the usual podcast platform. Her other book titles include Sacred Places of Goddess, 118 Destinations, Walking an Ancient Path, Goddess Calling, Voices of Sacred Fetterman, Conversations to Change Our World. She is an interfaith minister, workshop presenter, and sacred tour leader. She lives in the Pacific Northwest with her husband of 35 years and their feline daughters. If you'd like to get some more information or how to get any of her books, please go to her website at www.karentate.net. Let's welcome Karen to Circle Talk. Welcome, Karen. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me today. I look oh, forward to it. I'm so excited. I, you <laughs> were one of the first podcasts that I found years ago. And so I am a fan, so I'm a little intimidated about having you on this podcast. You were there in the beginning. <laughs> you are such an icon. So uh, thank you for taking the time to, to getting us up to date. Well, you know, let me say to you what I say to all my guests. Just pretend like you're talking to your girlfriend sitting at your kitchen table with a cup of coffee. Nobody else is listening. It's just you exactly. and me. <laughs> Yeah, that is so fun. That's why I love circle talk because it's just we just chat. So there's no format. We just talk. So well, and, and you know, an interesting thing I think if if I could just interject this real uh, quick because you said how far back my podcast goes. You know, it was it it, it goes back before we called them a podcast. We we used to uh-huh. call it just a radio show, and in the course of the years that went by, it turned into, well, now it's a podcast. So anyway, I get a kick out of that. (laughs) And I will tell our listeners, as I said, I'm a fan, so if you go to her website, she has a a section called Archive Wisdom, and you can listen to her um, archive podcast. So um, they're there for everyone to enjoy yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, there's 11 years of uh, archive shows uh, on the that Voices so of the fabulous. Sacred Feminine. Uh, yeah, on the Voices of the Sacred Feminine uh, on Blog Talk. Uh, but now, you know, with uh, new technology and everything, uh, the podcast isn't just on Blog Talk like it used to be. Right. Now it's on all the normal, you know, podcast platforms, you know, Apple, um, Spotify, all of that. Right. Right. I know. It's really, it's interesting. I know myself, I've been, um, I was at PSD and, and someone recognized my voice. It was kind of funny. And I'm like, oh my gosh, somebody because my mother listens. But yes, it is, um, podcasting is a big thing these days. A lot of people are working from home or they commute or they travel and, 
and again, people really enjoy podcasts. Yeah, I think so. You know, it gives them a, a window into worlds that uh, they might not otherwise have uh, have had. And I don't know, and I think there's something to being able to hear a person's voice. Um, I don't know. I, when I interviewed a lot of the old foremothers, you know, who are no longer around, but their voices live on my, you know, in the archives of my radio show, um, I don't know. I think that's an important thing for us to be able to go back to in addition to all their books, you know. I agree. And it's funny. Many years ago, Raymond, uh, I was talking with Raymond Gamasi, uh, he's no longer with us after one of his workshops, and he, and he said something that I didn't realize is true. He said, once you hear an author's voice, when you read their book, you read it in their voice. So I You know, I think that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's true. And, 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 you know, just a plug for Circle Sanctuary, I have to give Selena and her husband kudos uh, for me personally. You know, if it hadn't been for them many years ago, I'm talking about the late uh, 90s, I think, early 2000s, they started running my articles uh, of sacred places, experiences, and travels in the Circle magazine. And if they hadn't done that, I don't know that I would have ever gone on to write a book. So, you know, um, thank you. I, I really have to say thank you to them. And Selena has just been so supportive over the years. She's in the archives a bunch. Uh, you can hear yeah. her on the show. And uh, so anyway, you know, um, it, you know, we don't realize the impact we have on people's lives. And uh, I think it's always important to pass along to them that they've changed people's lives lives, you know? Uh, I think that's really nice, and I'm sure she will love hearing that. Well, tell me about that, because I saw that. I was going to ask you later. Um, do you still, uh, uh, Sacred Places, do you still do tours? Or you know, I haven't in, in a while. I, I'd okay. say it's on hold. Um, I mean, to be totally honest, um, you know, I haven't done it in quite a while. Um, right. It's difficult because, right. um, unfortunately, a lot of our community doesn't have the, you know, financial uh, wherewithal right. to, say, for instance, uh, go to Turkey or Europe or Egypt. Right. So it's really difficult to put a tour together, for one thing. Um uh, my ideal would be for a group to come to me and say, look, uh, our church wants to go, our coven wants to go, uh, right. whatever it is. You know, our subscribers want to go. We have enough people to make the trip. Will you lead the tour? And uh, that, that would be, be my ideal. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's obvious you like to travel. I, I do and I don't. Um, travel is not as much fun as it used to be to me, to, uh, honestly. Um, you know, we usually travel uh, in the cheap seats, if you know what I mean. You know, uh -huh. we're not traveling business or first class because we can't afford it. Um, right. And, uh, you know, I just feel like a sardine in a sardine can. And if you're going to Europe or the Middle East, I mean, you're sitting there for how long? You know, I mean, yeah. it's excruciating. And uh, and and that's that's hard, you know. That's hard. And um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little bit jaded because I was lucky enough to do a lot of traveling, uh, but I don't have the bug to go. 
uh, like I used to because I wanted to see all of these sites, and I pretty much saw what I want to see. So oh, the incentive is a little different now. Absolutely. So when? How long? When did you? Because I know Selena started podcasting like late seventies, early eighties. I think she started off on like a a local TV channel doing a a plug. When did you actually start your um, show? Hmm. Well, she was before me then, for sure. Um, I wasn't even into goddess stuff until the very early 90s uh, when I moved to California and discovered Uh it. Um, So I would say, you know, I... uh, well, it, well, I think it's like uh, uh, like maybe 13 years. So if we backtrack 13 time. years, yeah, yeah, that's about when it started. And I wasn't always on Blog Talk. I I started off on Passionate Internet Voices Radio, but I only had 30 minutes. And I found that the topics we get into were just too deep to really cover in right. 30 minutes. So I went and right. did you know went and did my own show and controlled it, you know, of myself. I, I heard you say that you discovered um, uh, goddess spirituality in California. So you did not grow up pagan? No, no. I I grew up a Catholic in the Bible Belt of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I will, I will tell you, um, it never got its hooks into me. Um, you know, and my family fortunately wasn't real religious, so they weren't mm-hmm. putting any pressure on me. Um, but I, you know, I was always reading stuff about ancient cultures, uh, especially Egypt. I can't, you know, I'm sure it's a past life thing, uh, but at the time I had no idea. But, you know, I would always be, uh, like the King Tut exhibit came to New Orleans. And, um, uh-huh. shoot, I was just a kid. I packed up my brown bag lunch, went and stood in line for four hours to be able to get into the museum. And it wow. was like, you know, one of the one of the most incredible things in my life uh, to, at that point, you know. So there's, uh-huh. there was something about Egypt for me, um, uh, waiting uh-huh. for me to awaken. And, uh, you know, that didn't really awaken until I got to California and Goddess tapped me on the shoulder in a, in a more official way, I guess uh, we should say. That's really, really fun. So, when you went to California, did you just find a book? Did you find other people? I found I found um, um, Goddess Spirituality as like fourteen, fifteen from a paperback book at Walden. Uh, and the idea <laughs> of of kind of God not being male was so revolutionary, and it just fit. It felt like home. So I'm always curious oh. how people. Makes and for some people they meet somebody. Um, how did it? How did how did that uh, transformation happen for you? Well, you know, um, it would never have happened in New Orleans, okay? Because there was nobody in my orbit that knew anything about any of this. Um, so I go to California, and um, there was this organization that put out a magazine that had all sorts of classes you could take. And something mm-hmm. drew me to a class. It was a fluff class, you know. It, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was. Um, you know, it, it wasn't anything serious. It wasn't really spiritual. Mm-hmm. But it was something about finding your inner goddess or some such thing. And right. it cracked the door open. 
and um, it, 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 it sparked the brain cells. And pretty soon, you know that old cliche, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. Well, the teachers mm-hmm. started to appear. I started finding women in Los Angeles who were into this, and I was lucky enough that they took me under their wing, and, uh, you know, the rest is history, so to speak. Yeah, that's really that's really fun, and we're we're very glad that history wrote itself like that. Um, and <laughs> so from there, you did your podcast, and then you started writing. What was the inspiration to write books? Is that something you've always written books or written oh, articles? Well, no, no. Well, no, actually, it started out, you know, first I was just, you know, somebody in the community learning about goddess for a bunch of years. Then um, I was in, then I sort of married my interest in travel with goddess. And my husband Mm -hmm. and I started, we were part-time travel agents, so it made it affordable. We could, like, fly to Europe for $300, right? So um, he and I started visiting sacred sites of goddess and that was profound it changed everything for me uh yet you know actually standing in sites where there were temples or where people actually worship goddess you know so different than the united states you know so you know kind of sort of and uh, so then i we actually started a not-for-profit called the isis ancient culture society and we Mm -hmm. ran that for probably almost i think 10 years and we uh-huh. were doing a lot of different things with that. We did uh, big public events. Uh, the biggest public event was every March. It was the ISIS Navigatum we did on the beach. And it was so elaborate, people thought we were a movie crew. And oh, okay. um, we... Yeah, we they, we did Isis birthday tea in a tea house. We sort of took over a tea house in July for her birthday. We did moon circles. We did personal development salons. We did a lot of different stuff. And then in, um, I wanted to write my first book. Like I said, I was inspired. Uh, I thought I could do it, you know, after uh, having articles published in Circle News. And um, so I started sending out um, proposals. And I got so many rejections. I have to tell you, I had enough to paper my bedroom, right? And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, but I kept it up and I kept it up. And um, I did this prayer slash ritual to Isis and Toth. And I said to them, you know, I think this is what you want me to do, but I'm having such rejection. Um, I promise you, if I get a book contract, I will dedicate the, I will dedicate the first book to you. Well, lo and behold, um, a girlfriend sent me a notice of um, uh, CCC Publishing, uh, which Uh was a guy who was publishing books about sacred places. And it wasn't really the book I wanted to publish, but I sent him a proposal anyway. And um, he wrote me back, and he said, well, I can see you've traveled a lot. I don't want to publish the book you want to publish, but will you write the next book in my series, which turned out to be Sacred Places of Goddess. And uh, so that was the beginning. Once I got that book published, then I was able to actually get a different publisher to publish Uh the book I I initially tried to publish. But, you know, that was a real lesson in um, 
I don't know, divine timing, uh, reciprocity with, with, with deity, and also, you know, our vision might not be what we see it as, you know. Um, yeah. I, I, deity might have a different idea of what the future holds, because I certainly didn't see myself writing that first book on sacred places. That is so much fun. So now I'm always interested in people who are very, very creative. Did you yeah. like? Um, did you like write when the spirit moved you? Did you have an outline in your head, or were you very like I've I've interviewed authors who said I wrote, you know, every day like you know, eight to two, and and I'm just interested how inspiration took you because writing a book. No, no. No, no, no. I'm not so I'm not so organized as that. Even though I'm a Virgo, uh, you know, I'm not so organized. Um, with the when it started out with the articles, that you know, first of all, I I don't enjoy writing books so much because I like short projects that have a, um, a you know a short span. Uh, so writing a book is really, really, I mean, a five-year commitment, you know, from wow. from inception and vision to, you know, marketing, you know, which I hate. I don't like the selling of the books. Um, but I'm sorry, what? I said, yeah, including publishing and, and you know, book tours, and it's, it's a long process. Yeah, I hate all that. I don't like to sell it. You know, I like to teach it, but I don't mm-hmm. like the idea of having to market it and make money off of it. You know, uh, I hate that part. But, um, you know, I, I really write when the inspiration hits, and I never know what that's going to look like. Uh, it might be mm-hmm. because I went someplace. It might be because I saw, an, uh, you know, a news, you know, a, a magazine article. It might be because, uh, I, I mean, who knows? It, it's something that happened in the news. So I use, and, and then the words just start to come. I mean, sometimes I'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning, and sentences are forming in my head, and I know I have to go write it down, or I'm not going to go back to sleep, or I'm going to forget it, and I don't want to forget mm-hmm. it, you know. So then I go write it down, and then everything starts to spill out, you know. That's really fun. Yeah, I find creative, very creative people, so interesting because everybody is is so different and it's just interesting how the the muses work with people. Well, yeah, or it could be a real catalyst, you know, because the most recent book, the Normalize and Abuse book, that was really, um, that came about during my second Saturn return. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk a little bit about that, but it was a, a life experience, you know, tragedy in my husband and I's lives that really brought that about. So that's, Absolutely. you know, that, there's... Bring that, bring that up. There was a... And again, I, uh, the book, um, I'm in the process. I've read three fourths. It's very good. And, and, it's, and parts of it are very, very personal, um, which I always like. It makes me feel like the author is very invested in this when they share personal things. But you had things that happened to you all which kind of caused your hiatus, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, and I'm having a little bit of trouble. I'm having a little bit of trouble hearing you. You sound far away. Um, okay. So uh, that that's much better. Thank you. Um, yeah, I wrote it when I was on hiatus, and uh, I was on hiatus because um, I was attacked by someone wielding a stun gun, and um, I didn't know it, but I had PTSD. And uh, suddenly my world started to shrink. 
um, I was afraid to do most everything I used to do. You know, I didn't want to be alone in my office without a back door because I was afraid somebody was going to come in and attack me. I didn't want to be in a crowded room with strangers because I didn't know if somebody was going to attack me. Uh, you know, that I, I didn't want to be in a mall. I didn't want to be in a theater. Um, I was afraid to drive across town because something might happen. I learned later it's called catastrophizing, cat catastrophe, mm -hmm. but izing on the end. And uh, it's mm -hmm. a symptom of PTSD. And uh, so I was trying to deal with that and figure that all out. Um, and, and at the same time, my husband fell and hit his head at work and incurred a brain injury. So we yeah. were in dire straits. We lost our job. We lost our connection to our, you know, we had to move out of the city that we were in. We, mm -hmm. couldn't, we didn't have money, no income. We moved up to an isolated mountain where it was affordable. And um, mm -hmm. it was really, it was rough up there, uh, the isolation. You know, Roy was, my, that's my husband, he was trying mm -hmm. to, to heal from the brain injury. I'm trying to heal from the PTSD. Right. And it shifted my consciousness. And I realized at the very same time, I was going through my second Saturn return. And suddenly it dawned on me that, I know this might sound crazy, but it dawned on me that I had been talking about social justice for other people. I had been talking about partnership versus domination for for a number of years because for me god of spirituality turned into you know it pivoted not just to be about goddess but it was about social justice and mm -hmm. i was blind to the abuse that was going on in my own life and that was a wake-up call that was really profound to me because i thought you know here i'm worried about other people and I'm wearing blinders about it going on in my own life. And that was really sort of the catalyst for, um, you know, I think the second Saturn return opened that all up. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and it was the catalyst for the Normalizing Abuse book. And I started seeing how... Uh, just like a fish doesn't see the water they swim in, that we mm -hmm. as people don't see the, the abuse and exploitation we're living in. We've normalized it. We've become numb to it. And we don't even recognize it as abuse and exploitation anymore. It's just the way it is, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so anyway, that was, uh, that was, that was quite a process. And, uh, and, you know, it was kind of hard to be so personal in the book uh, because, you know, I'm like laying myself bare, wide open. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's really hard to do that because you don't know how strangers are going to react, you know, if they're going to think mm -hmm. you're a nut. Because, I mean, I talked about past life regressions and uh, second Saturn returns and, um, you know, abuse that happened in my childhood and, uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, in the goddess community as well, you know. Um, and uh, so anyway, you know, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I was honest about the, you know, the, the reflection, uh, you know, that I went through, uh, you know, while we were up on the mountain to look back. I mean, I went back to before first grade and started realizing I had abandonment anxiety and stuff like that mm -hmm. and, uh all sorts of things, and um, and anyway, and, and then in the book I expanded it into looking at the abuse in different facets of our life, whether it be right. uh, religion, politics, the workplace, especially. You know, I, I put right. a call out 
for snippets from people. And I think, well, I don't, you know, it's a generalization to say we're most abused in the workplace, but the most response I got from people who make contributions to the book um, uh, were people talking about how horrible, um, you know, it was where they worked at some point in their lives, you know, the things that their mm-hmm. employers or their immediate boss put them through. Um, yeah, so. and I concur with that. And when you're in the middle of it, you just think, well, it's probably like that anywhere else, or you're afraid you won't get another job, or, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. you're right. You, you get kind of an – and your book does a very good job of talking about that. You kind of get in this cycle so that yeah. the devil you know is better than what you don't know. And, and I can speak for myself. That is not true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know it, it, it. That's that's the exact perfect phrase. Um, and you know, or we're older, you know, and you know we don't know if we can make a lateral or an upward move. You know, uh, maybe maybe we're going to be discriminated against because of our age. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of things, and I I think when we go into the world so unprepared that we might not even know that our boss is abusing us or telling us to break the law or doing questionable things and we're maybe complicit in it all you know so Mm -hmm. um so yeah um i mean the book isn't an anthology um you know people just wrote short snippets about you know personal experiences but by far uh there was the most um you know the most feedback from workplace um family and friends family and friends are a big source of abuse and exploitation, mm-hmm. and of course, religion. Religion was another mm-hmm. big one, you know. So, yeah. and it's interesting to see um, the workplace. I think COVID changed a lot of things, and for um, um, for several years, um, companies were just grateful to have anybody work at all, and so people worked at home. And now that that's kind of changed, it's interesting. People don't want to go back into the office, and people, COVID kind of changed the way people look at working altogether. Yeah, I agree, and I talked a little bit about that in that chapter. I think it's changed things forever and for the good. You know, I think we lose sight of our value. We lose sight of our self-worth, and if we Mm -hmm. can hold on to our our self-respect and our value and our self-worth, then um, we don't allow ourselves uh, to maybe be abused. But once we let that go, um, you know, I feel like we're kind of ripe for the picking, and we're an easy we're easy prey, or we're an easy mark for an abusive boss. You know, or if we're desperate mm-hmm. for the paycheck, obviously too. You know, mm-hmm. but um, I I think people getting away from the office for a while, it became a reset, and they started to think, well, do I have other options? Um, you mm-hmm. know, because otherwise, you know, we were like a hamster on a wheel. We just kept doing it and doing mm-hmm. it and doing it and doing it, you know, every day. Uh, get up, go to work, get up, go to work, you know, uh, come home, you know, that cycle. And um, it, I think it was really good for us to break that cycle. And uh, maybe employers are saying, 
uh, now, uh, well, you know, we're going to have to pay people a living wage to be able to Mm -hmm. run our business. But I think the next step, honestly, is we have to get to the point, and this might sound out of reach, uh, but, you know, we have to we have to do everything we can. I think we have to get to the point where we see greed as a mental health, uh, you know, a problem, uh, almost as if it's mm-hmm. an addiction. Um, because until we can, you know, look at greed that way and stop corporations from the exploitation, uh, you know, and uh, all that they do, you know, uh, taking advantage and raising prices, and, um, you know, these guys that are making 500 times more than their employee or more, um, mm-hmm. they have to be willing, I think they have to be willing to take less. And that just has to be something that um, society demands uh, because they have more money than they're ever going to spend in their life, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, this, this uh, you know, they never have enough. Um, they're destroying uh, you know they're they're destroying our our um economic life and that bleeds over into everything else um so anyway uh, i'll get off my soapbox but uh oh, you no, know, you're corporations fine. <laughs> yeah i mean there was a chapter in there on corporations the corporate abuse yeah. because you i mean think about this okay and the fox news stuff that's out right now i think is a great example you know the people that work for these for corporations you know, the reason why they have LLCs and all of that stuff is that's like a firewall between what the corporation does and the guy who runs the corporation or the board. Yeah. The board yeah. or the guy who runs the corporation, they cannot be personally sued for the, sh- for the stuff that the corporation does, right? If they could they wouldn't do the stuff they do. And I think, yeah. you know, I don't, I, I'm not an attorney, but I feel like that's something that has to change because if the corp, you know, if the board could be held personally liable for the damage that the corporation does, they wouldn't do it. And yeah. I, I, think, I don't know. I, that, I, I think you will see that change. And I think, to be honest, I think you're starting to see that a little bit. So I, I do think that that's something that um, – that you will see changes as times go on, that companies and boards will be held more accountable. Because as you say, I think people are demanding it, and I think they're getting they're getting smarter. Um, um, and, and your book also does a really good job, um, I say, giving light at the end of the tunnel. For example, when you talk about you moved and you went from the mountains and it was hard and it was overwhelming, I really enjoyed the part that you said all of a sudden you recognized the blessings that you had gotten. You noticed the rabbits in the field and, and the pace of life. And I thought that was very well written. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was uh, – I really look back on everything that happened to us as a gift, uh, really, a truly a gift. It was, uh, it was horrendous uh, when we were going through it. But uh, I look back on it now, and so much growth came out of it. Um, even though I felt, you know, the strain of isolation and the cruelty of winter, uh, being up at mm-hmm. 5,000 feet and being snowed in and all of that sort of stuff, almost slipping off the mountain, right. driving the car. And, I know, you wrote that. Uh, <laughs> you wrote about that. 
um, but yeah, I look back at it at it all now, and uh, if all of that hadn't happened, we wouldn't be where we are right now, and we are in a good place right now. Um, and I almost feel like um, you know this was her divine plan, and uh, there was so much growth for me in the process. You know, the reflection, the realization, uh, the book. Um, right. You know, and I, I think I came out of it a better person. I think um, I'm more empathetic, more compassionate, more patient. Um, you know, and uh, you know all the things that we talk about are feminine values. That sometimes mm-hmm. I think you know we we say that we want to incorporate them into our lives, but do we really? I mean. Um, it's hard. I, I, I guess it's I'm, hard it's, to go against the status quo. It's hard. Well. Yeah, we mm-hmm. like it in theory, but to actually do it. I mean, look, I'll give you an example. Um, I had friends who, when all of this happened and we lost everything, and I mean, we lost everything, um, friends who I thought were good friends who didn't even pick up the phone to see if I was alive or dead. And at some point, no. I maybe touched base with them for something, and they said, oh, well, uh, thoughts and prayers. I was sending you thoughts and prayers. And uh, and I said, thank you, but it would have been nice if you picked up the phone, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, you know, I think we really do have to, um, you know, support one another. Uh, and uh, and now, you know, I think now when I see somebody in need, um, it, you know, it's like, okay, the natural, the natural inclination now is to reach out because I can see the pain now that right. maybe and you've lived um, it. You I know couldn't what it's see like. before. Right. Yes, right. yes, yes, absolutely. Right. Right, yeah, I agree. And and it's just like when um, people at a funeral, they don't know what to say, and what you don't realize is anything you say is better than nothing. So just, you know, interact. Yeah, well... Well, and I realized, too, you know, with my husband having had a brain injury, I can imagine that some of my friends didn't know what to say. Maybe they didn't come visit us because, yeah, it was inconvenient. We were an hour and a half, two hours away from, you know, everyone we knew. But maybe they didn't know. They were afraid of what they might find. They didn't want to see Mm -hmm. Roy with a brain injury. And and I realize now that people – that makes people, you know, when they see a disabled person, it makes mm-hmm. them feel vulnerable. It makes their fragility come out. And we don't want to feel that. Absolutely. Um, right. You know, and so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I can understand, uh, you know, to, to a certain extent, you know, but, um, but I would say get, you know, be uncomfortable. You know, if you have friends in need, family in need, strangers in need, uh, push past the, um, the the unfamiliar, the uncomfortable, and do the right thing, you know, um, because, you know, we're all in this together. Uh, it's the way I look at it now. Uh, it's, this has all really shifted my perspective. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, your book is self-published. So can, if, if listeners would like to get a copy of your book, is the best place to get it um, on your website? Um, well, yeah, they can either go through my website. If they go through my website, I'll get more of the profits. <laughs> um, but if then they I but say go through your all, website. <laughs> yeah, uh, either go to KarenTate.net and purchase the books there, or you can get them um, on Amazon. You know, they're they're there okay. too. 
you know, all the usual places. Um, uh, but uh, but I'm really proud of my new website, KarenTate.net. That's uh, you know my my new mantra now is um, uh, that Sufi uh, that Sufi quote. Uh, You've seen my descent. Now watch me rise. Part of my coming oh, back into the world yeah. <laughs> is realize is, is learning how to build my website. So I've been uh-huh. you know gradually working on that, and it's um, you know there's still some sections of it that I uh, haven't gotten to yet. But I'm really proud of the new website, and uh, it's called uh, Tools for Transformation. And there's a lot of good stuff there. A lot of travel stories and articles I've written and talks I've given and the radio show interviews. Um, yeah, you know, it's beautiful. Uh, I went to your website. It's absolutely beautiful, too. It's very well done. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It's been a lot of hard work. Are you also – I'm not a social media girl, but are you on any social media, like Facebook or <sighs> – Unfortunately, <laughs> um, you know when we were when we were up on the mountain. Uh, I mean, I was off of everything. I don't think I was on social uh-huh. media since probably 2019. And this right. January, I I went back to everything. I got back to the podcast. I got back to social media. And man, I am looking for an intern. Uh, I could sure use an intern to help me. Um, uh-huh. uh, I am tr- trying to learn Facebook Meta Suite. And um, mm-hmm. it, but it, and it's it's challenging, you know. It's really challenging. Um, so yeah, I, I have some Facebook pages. Uh, there's the Karen Tate personal page, and I'm trying to I'm trying to consolidate everything at the Voices of the Sacred Feminine Radio page. Um, so those are going to be my primary pages pretty soon. All the other ones are going to be shut down um, and unpublished pretty soon. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah. I'm putting a call out to your listeners, to the universe. I need an intern help. <laughs> there you go. Um, where where do you where do you live? Well, I'm in southern Oregon. Oregon. Southern Oregon. Oregon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm in southern Oregon, and uh, but I you mean, can and probably I could use this an intern some... online. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They could live anywhere uh, because I have somebody that's training me a little bit on my page, and we just share a screen, and you know we both look at what we're working on. And uh, uh, yeah, so I, I need, I really do need, uh, I need some help. <laughs> but well, there you, uh, go. you know, it's a learn, it's a big learning curve, all of this. But I'm happy to be back. And uh, I feel uh, like things are normal again and, um, uh, you know, very happy and upbeat and Roy is doing well. And, um, I was going to ask you, uh, he's I, doing well? Yeah, he is. Uh, he is. And uh, he's doing much better. He went to brain boot camp uh, five days mm-hmm. a week, uh, eight hours a day for a long period of time. Uh, he got every imaginable kind of um, uh, of therapy there. You know, with him it was a worker mm-hmm. comp issue. So uh, they mm-hmm. had to pay the bill. I mean, we would never have been able to afford that in a million years. Um, so, uh, so anyway, as egregious as the worker comp system is, after about a year, they finally did the right thing and got him the treatment that Good. he needed. 
so he's doing better, and um, I'm going to be doing my first little mini ISIS Navigatum in a few weeks and launching oh, ISIS on the that. river. Well, you know, that was one of the things, uh, well, the not-for-profit, you know, our not-for-profit, the ISIS Ancient Cultures uh, Society that we created used to do it every year at the beach. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, But here Mm -hmm. we're on the river. And um, so what we used to do is we would actually make boats of ice and we would color them with food coloring and we would breathe Mm -hmm. our intention or our prayer into the boat and we would launch it onto the waves out of, you know, at the ocean in, in Los Angeles or here we're launching it in the river. And it was mm-hmm. uh, a, a, mo- a modern-day recreation of the ancient Isis ritual, which was called either the Festival of Isis or the Iside Navigium, Isis Navigates. And what it was mm-hmm. was at the be- beginning of March, um, people would come from all around and process to a body of water. I mean, it was like a celebration, kind of like carnival, kind of like Mardi Gras. You know, people in costumes, mm-hmm. men dressed as women, women dressed as men, uh, wild animals on leashes, little altars on the top of poles, singing, dancing, throwing flowers, incense, you know, if you can imagine all of that. And they would walk down to a body of water where the clergy would be waiting and there would be a boat laden with offerings, I mean an actual boat, and people would come and put all their offerings to Isis on the boat, and um, mm-hmm. and it very conveniently almost coincided with the pagan spring equinox, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so we, you know, in, in ancient days, they were blessing the sailing season, which a lot of people depended on for survival. Well, what we did was when we launched our prayer with our ice boat, we were asked asking ISIS to bless the journey of our life for the coming year. And that's what we're doing, mm-hmm. except now I, instead of ice boats, what we're doing is we, I got ice trays that are in the shape of hearts. And instead of the Aww. boat launching on the water, it's going to be hearts, and we're going we're gonna, to uh, offer up to ISIS our heart's desire. And so we're going to oh, take the little heart-shaped ice and launch it on the water with a prayer to her, you know, with some chanting and some songs and probably some sistrum rattling, stuff like that, you know. Um, So that's uh, that's coming up in March. We're going to do it like I think the 20th or the 21st. And um, I'm doing a book signing at uh, an Enlightened Living Fair here in Grants Pass in March. And um, also in Mount Shasta, there's a uh, goddess symposium coming up the last weekend in March. And the theme mm-hmm. is lion, Lion's Heart. So I'm going to actually be there giving a talk on Sekhmet, the Egyptian, lion-headed Egyptian goddess. Um, so, you know, there's, uh, it's, March is a busy month. And I'm also doing, I'm trying to launch my book. Uh, I've been doing a soft mm-hmm. launch, but um, I'm going to, you know, get a little more serious about putting my book out there, uh, you know, this spring. So it's busy. It's busy, and it feels feels good to be back to doing my old stuff, you know. That's it probably does. And you started your podcast back, correct? 
Yep, the podcast just started back in January. Uh, and when That's I'm wonderful. at the fair, I actually have a speaking spot. So I've kind of I've kind of gotten over the PTSD elements that um, mm-hmm. that had me afraid to actually stand up in front of a room of strangers. You know, right? Um, right. It, because it was never about you know just fear of speaking. After the stun gun incident, it was being afraid uh, in a rational fear that someone would try to hurt me, you know. Um, yeah, I can't so, even uh, imagine. Blessings to you. I can't even imagine. And it's funny because people associate PTSD with only soldiers or oh, yeah. war, and it's not true. Uh, yes. Um, I yeah. um, was in a car accident many years ago, and I had some issues, and I had a physician say, I, I think you have you know, a mild case of uh, uh, PTSD. I actually, in snow, my car spun around and hit a wall head on. And um, oh. luckily I wasn't really hurt, but that noise you heard when it slammed against the wall, I mean, if somebody, like, slammed the door, I, like, freaked. Um, so yeah. it was just interesting. And I, again, like you talk about in your book, I just assume that PTSD was something that only happened to soldiers. Yeah, yeah, and you know what, that, and I want to say two things about that. First, um, I totally get the sound thing, because after the stun gun incident, when I heard popcorn pop, it triggered all of it. You know the anxiety through yeah. the roof. I wow. mean, I mean, it was it, it was nightmares. It was waking up with panic attacks. It was thinking the house was going to collapse. I mean, all those sorts of things. And um, uh, it was what was the other thing I was going to tell you? Um, oh, I, it, it left my it left me. Um, it, oh, uh, well, the PTSD. <laughs> yeah, the soldiers. Are, are, we really have to, I think, in this country, get serious about the importance of mental health. You know, uh, mm-hmm. there are too many people who talk about this rugged individualism. Well, you know what? Um, I think we have an opioid epidemic because, um, you know, people need mental health uh, treatment. And there isn't right. enough to go around, or there's so much shame around it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we grow up, and does anybody ever say to us, well, how is your quality of life? No. Right. I, don't, I don't think that happens. Instead, if you grew up a Christian, you see Jesus dying on the cross, and I know as a Catholic we were told, oh, he, su- he suffered in sacrifice, he died for our sins, let's emulate him, let's be like Jesus. So what is that, what is that plant in your brain that, suffer- we right. want, that we want to emulate suffering and sacrifice? Um, you know, yeah. I don't know if it was an intentional strategy, but it feels like that's saying, you know, that they want a society that that wants wants to suffer and sacrifice so they can be like Jesus, and you know, go, I don't know if it's to go to heaven or just to be Christ-like. But um, wow, that's really sort of sets you up for the Did abuser, you, right? Has um, your PTSD gotten better? Did you? find counseling or did you find ways to help yourself cope with it? Um, It it was a mixture of things, Um, uh, talk therapy, um, also, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there there were, um, you know, breathing exercises. Um, Mm -hmm. At first I was was also, you know, um, 
medication, uh, you know, when mm-hmm. it would really be bad. Um, you know, and I started, uh, you know, doing some of the things that I talked about in my book and I put in the book, you know, use, you know, goddess values, you know, tools that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tools for transformation, you know. Uh, I, there's so much to be said for gratitude. I think gratitude is like mm-hmm. a magic bullet, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, and it, I, I, I think it's it's so much of it is about um, raised awareness, you know, and controlling our reaction to things. Uh, because I could have came out this uh, came out of this a really angry, messed up bitter person, person. absolutely, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, we have to see the gift. Uh, we have to look for the gift. Uh, we have to be in gratitude. Um, you know, see the interconnection of all things. Um, you know, uh, care for one another. Uh, anyway, you know, I, I talk about that a little bit more in, you know, in Chapter mm-hmm. 15. You know, there's a lot about self-care. You know, um, mm-hmm. sure, we talk about, you know, put the oxygen mask on ourselves before we do anyone else, but how many of us take the time for self-care um, right. you know, uh, and get toxic people out of our lives, whether it's friends, right. family, employer, uh you know, church people, you know, people in your community. I mean, there's really a lot, uh, a lot of steps we can take. Absolutely. absolutely. I think um, traditionally women are so nurturing to other people that we're typically lousy at self-care. So, Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, we've, look, I mean, I grew up in the South. You know, women were almost like children. We were supposed to be seen and not heard. Uh, we were never supposed to get angry. We were always supposed to be nice. You know, bless your heart, you know. Um, and um, I I think women are just in patriarchy are accustomed and expected to give and give and give. And if they want something for themselves, well, they're, they're selfish then, you know. That's selfishness. Yeah. You can't be selfish. Um, you know, so uh, I, I think women are changing. Um, uh, I mean, I look at the Egyptian goddess Sekhmet, for instance, as a wonderful um, archetype uh, role model for women's empowerment. Because I look at her and I see, besides strength, tenacity, courage, um, I feel like she helps us uh, set healthy boundaries, uh, say no without guilt and shame. You know, um, I think she's about partnership because you look how lionesses and a pride work together to take care Mm -hmm. of all the cubs. You know, um, I I think, uh, yeah, there's a lot there. I think she's been um, misunderstood and, you know, patriarchy has demonized her and weaponized her. uh, But she's uh, a great, you know, great role model, I think, for women seeking to, um, you know, find their strength and courage and, uh, you know, in their tenacity to even just take care of themselves, you know. So what's next for uh, uh, Reverend Dr. Karen Tate? What's, 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 <laughs> do you have a new book? What's going, what's next on your agenda? 
Oh, shoot. Uh, I don't know if there's another book in me. <laughs> and, and, if, and if there is, it, 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 it won't be a while. Well, you know, I am going to, uh, my Walking in Ancient Path book, probably in the summer, it's only been Ooh. in paperback. Um, I am releasing it in uh, ebook with an epilogue, and that we, and that people oh. will only be able to get get from me. So that you know that with the epilogue, uh, I think it's like the 15th anniversary or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's going to be coming out. Uh, you know, I'm going to keep up my podcast. Um, I was picked to give a talk at Harvard University. Um, they're giving, uh, you know, they're having a conference on uh, abuse and religion, and um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, giving giving a virtual talk talk there. Um, you know, I'm I am so uh, cool. I, I'm just going teach where I have the opportunity to teach. You know, I would um, continue to learn my social media and website work. Um, keep looking for that, you know, that special intern that might want to, you know, do a border <laughs> with me or something. <laughs> um, you, you know, I'm I'm, tr- I'm trying to enjoy life. You know, um, uh, semi-retired now and uh, taking care of Roy. Uh, we just got mm-hmm. two rescue kittens that we're socializing. And we've named them Luna and Freya, a black and a white one. Oh, oh, how <laughs> wonderful! Yeah, so we're enjoying life here in Southern Oregon. It's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. it's moist. Um, the weather is mild. Um, uh, you know, we're not isolated. I, I thank God us every day uh, for the life we have now, and even for the challenges because it got us where we are. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, our time is almost uh, at an end. I know how busy you are, and I really want to thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us on Circle Talk, to get reacquainted, and to tell us about your new book. And, folks, her new book is Normalizing Abuse, a commentary on our pervasive culture of abuse, and it was recently published this past January um, 2023. Yep, yep, that's right. And please go to my new website, KarenTate.net, and I love to hear from people. You know, that way I don't feel like I'm talking into a black hole. <laughs> so please, um, you know, con- contact me on Facebook or send me an email. Um, I'd love to hear okay. from your listeners. All right, thank you so much. And besides, well, thank Karen, you for having I want to thank. I want to thank Stephen, our sound engineer, for his technical expertise. And finally, we'd like to thank all of you out there, our listeners, for your continued support of all of our shows here on Circle.